My name is Jeff Kerr. My wife, Christy, and I, we pastor the church here. I see some new faces today. It's great to have you here. Um, they do, we, we share this building with the Methodist congregation. Um, we, we rent space from them here. We, have, we are in the middle of a building campaign to get our own building. And a day like today, I think it'll be great because we'll have air conditioning all to ourselves. It'll be wonderful. But it's great to have you here today at Homestead Church. Um, we're so glad you're with us. And again, happy Father's Day to all the dads. Um, we are honored to have you here. You make such an impact on your family, and so I'm praying blessing over all the fathers today. We have a coffee card for you to go treat yourself to a cup of coffee or an iced coffee today um, or anytime. So um, we, one other thing, we mentioned all the summertime activities coming up. We know that Sunday mornings for a lot of families, you know, they have sports or they have vacation around, uh, you know, we take off for the weekends in this part of the world once the weather's nice. So please uh, jump into some of these activities we have. And did you, Steve, did you mention the kickball, family kickball this Friday night? I know in the brochure itself, there's tons of stuff for moms, groups, and kids. And then the men, it was like, coffee. So men, we had um, some, you know, we wanted, this is for the whole family, but family kickball night, we thought for the kids, teenagers, adults, we'd show up at a field, and so it would be great. We're going to do that a couple of times. It'd be great to have a time where the whole family gathers together. We'll have some food, and therefore, yeah, it's this Friday night. I'll be at kids camp wishing I was at family kickball night, I'm sure, <laughs> by Friday night of camp. Uh, things will be, although I think it's going to cool down a bit this week, so it'll be smelly and gross from all the just the stuff we do, all the mud and the mud pits and the water fights and the lake and all those things, but hopefully the weather will cooperate. Um, all right, we are in part three. Uh, we're going through the book of Acts this summer. Um, I got, I should have brought a hanky or something, but I've got like a, now I'm like T.D. Jakes. I'm going to preach just like him today. Um, Part three on a series of the book of Acts. We're going through the book of Acts. We have a summer scripture challenge. I'm encouraging everyone here, take some time through the summer, read through the book of Acts. It's 28 chapters. Would not take you that long. So many great stories. If you're unfamiliar with it, it's written by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and this is kind of the continuation of the story. The Gospel of Luke talks about the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts, he wrote really talking to eyewitnesses. He was a part of a lot of these events. He wanted to write a detailed account of all the things that happened. Once Jesus was crucified, rose again, and ascended into heaven, that's where the book of Acts begins and talks about all the things those disciples did as the church grew, as the Great Commission was fulfilled, as they traveled around to the known world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what we have been looking at, and we're going to look at it through the summer. So today, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, just a couple of great stories we're going to go through. If you'd like to follow along, there should be a black hardcover Bible in the pew that you're sitting in. But today, chapter 3 and 4, a great story that starts out with an amazing miracle and then leads to some opposition for the disciples and eventually some imprisonment for the disciples. So we're going to jump right in today. Acts chapter 3, I'm going to read. The first part of the story is this miracle that, they, that takes place. I'm going to read Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. And the words will be up on the screen as well. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So he, the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. 
And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is a great story of a great miracle, and maybe not the first miracle that these disciples had seen since the, you know, they started preaching and traveling around, but certainly this was one of the most public. Everybody knew this guy was sitting at the gate, and he was there every day for his entire life because he could not walk, and so his friends would carry him to the gate, and as people came into the temple to pray, he would be there begging for money. So they all knew this guy, and now they see him running around, jumping, praising God. This is an amazing story. There's a part of that story there that jumps out at me every time I read it. And I remember reading this at a young age, and there was a part in there that really kind of convicted me and almost haunted me a little bit. There's a part of the story in verse 7 you notice the order of events when this miracle happened. I'm going to read verse 7 real quick one more time. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. So when did that miracle happen? Peter and, Peter and John pray for him, and they say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And then they reach down and start pulling him up. And I think to myself, would I have the faith in that moment? Because he's not walking yet. Right? You see that Peter and John, they reach down and they pull him up, and then his feet became strong. It's almost like God was waiting to see where their faith was, to reach down and to start helping this guy up. We know that you're healed, and then his legs were healed. I read that, and I'm like, boy, do I have that kind of faith when I pray for people to say, I know it's done. I know God performed the miracle, but I want to have that kind of faith. I want to have that kind of faith that knows that God is going to intervene and he can do amazing things. Well, after this... Of course, the disciples have been going around and preaching, and we know from last week's message they preached a sermon, and a bunch of people were added to the church that day. So there's beginning to be a crowd around the disciples. They're getting noticed. Well, after this miracle, they are more and more noticed by the crowds, but there are also a group of people that are not happy with what the disciples are doing. There is a group of people that are against what the disciples are doing. Um, but before we jump into that, I want to read what Peter says in verse 12. This is after the miracle. In verse 12, it says this. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? The people were asking, how did this happen? How is this guy walking? Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, and though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. Remember the part of the story in the crucifixion where the crowds were screaming, release Barabbas instead of Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are all witnesses of this. And by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see... And no was made strong. It is Jesus. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him 
that has completely healed him, as you can see. I love that Peter gets up and preaches again, says it's not about us, says you might think we're a big deal because this guy was lame and now he walks. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Again, Peter and John, so quick to point to Jesus, so quick to point to Jesus. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit enables us to preach the gospel with boldness and to give us power, and it's all about pointing people to Jesus, and we see the disciples doing this again. It's another bold gospel message that Peter and John are preaching. It's another bold gospel message saying it's about Jesus, and people, is, people are listening, they're repenting, they're getting saved, and they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and the church continues to grow, and they see this miracle, and they're excited, and they realize it's because of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the church continues to grow, and it is just, the momentum is building, but there is a group of people who are not happy about this. There's a group of people who are opposed to what the disciples are doing, and we get to that if you turn ahead to chapter 4, we find out this group of people who are not happy with what the disciples are doing. They're the priests, a group of people called the Sadducees, who are like religious leaders. They were in charge of the temple, the temple guard, those in charge of the Jewish faith, anyone in, in charge of temple religion. Anything you read in the Old Testament, the priest and the prophet, all the rituals they had, that was still happening. And all those people in charge of the old Jewish religion were against this because this was against their religion. This was a new thing. This Jesus idea was a new thing. They were against the message of Jesus for a number of reasons, and it was because it was against their religion. But they were also worried about something that um, whenever the people would get fired up about something and start rallying around somebody, and this happened so often in this day and age, they were a part of the Roman Empire. So as soon as the Jewish people got excited about someone who would be the Messiah, it would almost be like they were starting a rebellion, and Rome would come in and squash the rebellion brutally. So these religious leaders also realized, we've got to put an end to this Jesus movement, because eventually Rome is going to hear about it, and they're going to come in and shut it down, and it's not going to be good for anybody. So they recognized that. And another reason they were against the disciples' teaching about Jesus is because it threatened their power that they had over the people. They were the religious leaders, the temple guard, the priests, the high priests. They were in charge of all the religious rules, so they could tell people, you're not good enough, you're not godly enough, you need to do this, you need to fix this. So all, this was all happening, and they were against what the disciples were doing for all of these reasons, and they realized these temple guards and these religious you know, uh, rulers, they said, we got to stop this, and we got to shut this down. So they go, and they get Peter and John, and they grab them. They, it says they seize him, they seize them, and they threw him in jail. They didn't want to, like, make a big public spectacle of it, so they tried to grab him and stick him in jail overnight, and they said, we're going to talk to you in the morning. So Peter and John, this is the first time where they spend a night in prison for their faith. They have Peter and John seized and put in jail, and then the next day they bring them in for questioning. So Peter and John have just spent the night in jail, and you'd be wondering, they're probably thinking, oh man, this is, this is not going smooth anymore. This was more fun before we were in prison. And now they're in, in front of all these religious rulers in this group of priests and Sadducees. And in chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. This is what happens. They accuse them, and they say, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And Peter, in verse 8, says this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, 
and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, I love how Peter just can't stop preaching about Jesus, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, again, like he's going for it here, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now, this is foundational to our faith. We know salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. If you are trying to get to God and get to heaven through good behavior through tradition, through works, for anything else. It is by faith through Jesus Christ that you are saved, that we are saved. It is by grace through Jesus Christ that we are saved. Salvation in Jesus alone. We get it, and I want to reaffirm that today. That is how we are saved. But to those religious rulers, that was like throwing fuel on the fire. They did not like to hear that because they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah and was the only way to God. And so not knowing how to respond, these religious leaders, they accuse Peter and John, and they say, you have to stop preaching. As strongly as they could threaten them in that moment, they said, you have to stop preaching, and if you don't, bad things are going to happen. And what that meant, and they would have known what this meant, either you're going to go back into prison, you're going to get beaten up badly and then thrown into prison, or you might just get executed the way this Jesus you preach about was executed, because Rome's going to come in and take you guys out, so you have to knock it off. So in very strong words, the religious rulers tell Peter and John, you have to stop it. And if you don't stop preaching about Jesus, bad things are going to happen. And then in verse 18, actually just, I, I got ahead of myself. In verse 18, it says this, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And I love this verse. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What great faith. Again, we see their faith on display. They say, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you threaten us with, what opposition we faith. We cannot stop sharing about Jesus because it is everything to us. And so what happens next is Peter and John leave. Of course, the rest of the disciples and all the other followers of Jesus, they're probably worried because Peter and John went to the temple and then they never showed up. They, they would have been fearing the worst, right? They must have got... Who knows what happened? Maybe they got killed, maybe they got arrested or beaten up, or maybe they, you know, disappeared. Who knows what happened? But Peter and John, they go back to the rest of them, and what happens? They tell all the other followers what happened. They tell all the other followers, we were thrown in jail, we were accused, and we were threatened to stop preaching about Jesus. And so I'm sure there were some people in there, and maybe if you were in that room, maybe I would be this way too, where we might have said, okay, maybe we need to just lay low for a little bit, Right? Maybe we need to think about our safety for a little bit and just kind of chill out. Maybe we'll just kind of stay in the house here for a couple of days, let things die down a little bit, let the tempers cool down a little bit, let all the excitement about this miracle die down a little bit. But what happens is, as soon as they hear this from Peter and John, they begin to pray. And I love this prayer. I love this prayer. Here's what they prayed in verse 29 of Acts chapter 4. Here's their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place they were in meeting in was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What a great prayer in that moment. What a great prayer. What would you have prayed for in that moment? Hearing about the threats, facing opposition, what do we do now? My prayer might have sounded a little bit like, Lord, keep us safe right? Lord, fight against our enemies, right? In this country, we're very much, you know, rightfully so, we're like, we have freedom of speech. So maybe our prayers would have been, Lord, these are our rights to preach. This is religious freedom. Um, Maybe it would have been, you know, uh, go before us and wipe out our enemies, Lord. But what do they pray? They pray, God, give us boldness. Give us faith so that we can keep going, keep preaching more boldly. And God answers that prayer. The room shakes. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preach more boldly what they were already doing. I love that prayer, that we would have boldness, that we would have boldness, Lord, that you would continue to move by your hand to see miracles done. What a great prayer of faith. So for us today, that's really what this message is about. It's a prayer of faith. It's a message about faith. Faith that we would have to see God perform miracles. Faith to stay true to what we believe when we're facing trials and opposition. Faith to pray big prayers. I want us as Homestead Church, I want us to grow in this. I want us to pray big prayers. I want us to, I think too often, if you think about what, what do you pray for, maybe you think about bedtime prayers with your kids, think about all the times you've prayed and maybe you haven't prayed at all in the last week. Um, but think about what the prayers you prayed were. In my house, it was we prayed for the food a lot, bless the food, help it to go to the nourishment of our bodies, amen. Um, at bedtime, there's a lot of, Lord, we keep, keep us safe. There's a lot of keep us safe prayers and, you know, typically we're fairly safe in this country. I want us to grow, and this is what I want to teach my kids to I want us to pray big prayers, bold prayers, prayers of faith. God, move through me that I could preach with such boldness that people's lives would be turned around because of your power. In the face of opposition, Lord, give me courage to keep moving forward. It's not a prayer of, Lord, keep me safe and keep me... Again, I want everyone to be safe. I want my kids to be safe, of course. But I want them to realize, no, when we pray to a God who is powerful, who created the universe, it doesn't, I don't want it to be mousy. Oh, just help me to wake up in time and remember what I studied for my test. And those, those are fine. But I want them to learn, no, God, move in power through my life, in my school, in my neighborhood. When I pray for people, God, I ask that you would perform miracles so that all eyes would turn to you and your kingdom would grow. I pray against any opposition that comes against, but Lord, I want to be bold in my faith. I want to be strong and anchored in you. These are the prayers that I want my kids to pray. These are the prayers that I want to model for them. Dads, it's Father's Day today, and this is overgeneralizing it, of course, but when we think of moms and dads, maybe the dads are more like, oh, you can climb that tree, and maybe the mom's like, oh, just be safe, sweetie. Again, overgeneralizing. But dads, there's something in us, and I want us to lead that way spiritually, to teach our kids, be bold in your faith. Take risks in your faith. You have a big God at your back. Teach your kids to be bold in their faith, anchored in the Word of God. And I think for men, not just with your kids, men, we have to walk that out. There's There's something about if we spend too many days just, well, we're safe here on my couch and watching the TV. I want us to live in bold faith. Fathers, 
you are modeling that for your kids. You are leading that in your house. I want to encourage you. Lead in boldness, in faith, in courage, in our mighty God. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage the dads on that today. For all of us, it's a, it's a message of faith today. When you face someone that you're praying for, is your faith like those disciples to say, get up, I know you're healed. I know God's going to heal you. I want to have that faith. Is your faith when you're facing opposition to say, God, whatever happens to me, I want you to be glorified in me. Give me boldness. Give me courage. Give me faith to walk through this. There's going to come a time for all of us where our faith is not received well by those around you. Maybe it's friends, family members. Maybe, it's, maybe you already, already experienced that with Immediate family members, you've started going to church and you're getting the eye roll from the rest of your family or you know that friends are coming over for grad parties and they're gonna, you're going to have to hear it about it, that you're the Jesus freak and they're all going to you know, make fun of you for that or maybe it's at work or maybe you're going to have to prioritize going to church with your family and so somebody's not going to be okay with that, a coach or a boss or somebody. There's going to come a time when your faith is not the most important thing to those around you and maybe some people are going to oppose this. We can see that at times in our culture, but certainly we see that in around the world in different nations. I want us to have a great faith where we pray for boldness. I want us to have that mentality that the disciples had saying, you can threaten us with whatever you want, but we can't stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Jesus has changed my life. I can't stop talking about it. What am I, am I going to worry about opposition? No, Jesus has changed my life miraculously, and I cannot stop talking about it. Later on in chapter 5, there's another time when Peter gets, again, they're always getting in trouble, and they just get thrown in jail. This time they start getting beaten up, and he says, we must obey, I love these words that he says in uh, 529, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. And that's my prayer for all of us today. We must obey God rather than men. So when you're facing difficulty, what have you got? Where's your faith at? I want us to grow in our faith. One of the core things we have at Homestead Church is that we're all going to grow in our faith. We're not just going to stay put where we are. We're not just going to be safe. We're not just going to be comfortable. I want us to grow in our faith, in our boldness. I want us to take that step. Boldness to share our faith with others. Boldness to preach truth when we need to speak up for truth. Boldness to stand in a room like this and in the midst of a storm going on around us like those disciples did. Lift our hands in worship and say, God, it's you. We praise you. It's all about you. We praise you no matter what we face. I want, our, I want our congregation to grow in those things, to grow in our obedience to God, and to grow in our faith to pray bigger prayers. Maybe you could just this week pray bigger prayers. Think about more kingdom things that you could pray for. Think about what you really want in your family and lay that before the Lord and say, God, I'm praying for boldness for my kids. I'm praying for strength and courage for my family. So that is my prayer for us today, and specifically for all the fathers today. I'm just praying that over you, that we would be able to lead in that, lead in our faith. Amen? Let's close in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that we get to read these encounters. We get to read these stories, eyewitness accounts that were there, and we see such great faith in those disciples. They just trusted you. They saw you change their lives, 
They saw miracles that you were performing, and they just trusted you. When they were facing opposition, it didn't matter. They must obey you rather than the rulers around them. When needing a miracle, they trusted you that you were going to perform a miracle. When facing persecution, they just prayed for more boldness so that they could continue to preach the word and bring glory to you. So, Lord, we want all those things for each of us today. We want all those things in our lives. I pray that for our kids that are meeting up in kids' church right now. For our students, I pray for specifically the seniors who've just graduated, going on to college. I pray a blessing over them that you would anchor their life in boldness and truth and courage and faith in you, in the word of God. That they would not be swayed by relationships that they come in contact with or professors that have a different worldview or are trying to prove the Bible false or whatever they come in contact with over these college years. I pray that the anchor of their faith would hold true and that they would always look to you. I pray for a blessing over the seniors as they're going on to college and all their next adventures. We pray your hand of protection and peace over them that you would strengthen their faith. I pray for all of us today that we would grow, that we would take another step in faith in following you and being more like you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, Homestead Church. We will see you next Sunday. God bless you.